This is the Omega 3D Chicken Coop Podcast, and here is your host, Eric Salzweedle. That's right. This is the Omega 3D Chicken Coop, and I am your host, Eric Salzweedle. And tonight, I have a very special guest, podcasting royalty. Should have been nominated for multiple Ennies, but hasn't. Maybe one day. The co-founder of Gaming and BS. The founder of, was it GM Mastermind? And... <laughs> the host of Saturday Mornings, How to RPG. Sean P. Kelly. Sean, welcome to the show. My God, I am completely honored to be here. I am just in awe of being in the coop. I just, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about it? How's the beanbag you're sitting in right there? Is it comfy? Oh, it, it, I love how like the little white stuff kind of trickles out onto the floor every once in a while if you, yeah. if you just move the right way. Yeah, yeah, and under the black lights, you can actually find them easier. Ooh. Hey, black light, hey. <laughs> You know, you know the Omega 3D Chicken Coop has black lights everywhere. Yeesh. Hey, what is uh, that? Oh, didn't see that until you flip the switch. Right, right. All right. So, um, Sean, I know that you were maybe taking a little bit of an old man nap here. Um, but uh, are you? Do you have any beverages this evening? I always like to ask my guests if they have a beverage in hand, or or on a, on this Sunday evening, are you uh, getting ready for the work week? Nectar of the gods. I have the uh, filtered water. Oh, filtered water. Oh, okay, okay. I am. Uh, I'm taking part. I kind of have a guilty pleasure with these uh, drink Wisconsinably pre-canned brandy old fashions. Ooh. Um, oof, you are. Oof, you are. Ri- you live on the edge, my friend. They're pretty good, but they probably are the reason why I've gained 15 pounds in the last like six months. Probably got, a, know, lot sh- probably got I, a lot of sugar in them. I don't see it, but hey, you look fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, why, that's why I keep the uh, the head up here on the webcam. Camera um, always high angle, pointed down. Oh, I did have to do that the other day when I was taking a picture with my kid for something, and my I had like shaved my beard too close, and so I could see my under my double chin and uh i was like texting my wife i was like how do i make myself not look fat in my, in my selfie again uh all right well i brought sean on bottom, to talk about not bottom up top down. yeah well yeah definitely not bottom up um i always hate it when i'm on a, like a work zoom call and and i'm either on my laptop and the camera's like pointed straight up my nostril or someone's doing that it's bad it's no good bueno. yeah sometimes you got to do what you got to do though um all right well i brought sean on to talk about a a particular topic and we'll get to that but first um sean has told me that he's listened to my previous couple episodes with jason and harrigan so i want to kind of pick sean's brain real quick before we get in the main talk topic so sean the previous two topics were the first one was you know brand new to tabletop role-playing um person you know they meet you at the water cooler maybe you're there you're at quick trip picking up some mini tacos and some mozzarella sticks someone sees your d20 tattoo and they say oh hey there uh i was hoping to you know play some uh dungeons and dragons i noticed you got that d20 right there uh picked up a couple glazers do you want to go over in the back table here at quick trip and uh roll some dice um charlie barons charlie yeah, Barons, charlie barons. Charlie barons and he's uh, the manitowoc minute wants to learn how to play uh, an rpg yeah yeah so so that was a topic jason and i talked about we kind of went back and forth on what's the best game to introduce um like a new person to the game 
to the hobby for it. And Jason, his answer was basically, hey, figure out what they like. If there's like a particular genre they're really into, run a game that um, emulates that genre. And I can't disagree with him. Um, and then I can. I mean, it's a good it's a good it's a good thing. I tend to think more about mechanics when I'm introducing a new player to to the hobby because I don't want them to like get scared away by something that might be a little bit too meaty. So so let's so let's let's go back to the quick trip example I gave you the highly plausible quick trip example. By the way, for those is not in Wisconsin, is quick is this sponsored by Quick Trip? Did you get it? Did you land them as a sponsor, dude? That's awesome. I should I should I should ask if they want to sponsor my podcast. Uh, quick Trip is a local convenience store here in Wisconsin, family owned and operated. And uh, yeah, it, they're pretty much growing everywhere now. They used to be only kind of down, be down in like the Madison area. And now they're, they're all over the state. Everywhere. Well, they're based, they're headquartered out of lacrosse, not to get into yeah. a quick trip, but they're yeah. like, so for folks that, that don't have them, probably in the South, Circle K, there you go. So if you're Circle K, 7-Eleven, and they, mer- they, they merged with PDQ, they took over yeah. PDQ. You can also once in a while find the rare Quick Star, which is also part of Quick Trip. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's a Quick Star up here that's uh, got a walk-in humidor. If you're into cigars and you want to, you know, partake in one of those. But back to my original question: what Are we? I don't know. New player, man. Uh, never played the game before. Is is there a game that comes to mind for you to you that you'd want to like toss it out there to him? I don't think Jason's approach is, is, I mean, to your point, I think Jason has a good approach with that. There's nothing wrong with getting some type of connection from the player or the the person that wants to try it to, you know, you want to play Star Wars, like you want to partake in a Star Wars game because you're a fan of Star Wars uh, and be one of the characters. Great. And then they can kind of quickly attach themselves with interest to that. Um. But also, I don't know if Star Wars is the way to go, the game. Like, it, I mean, depending on what edition. Like, I don't know if Fantasy Flight Games is Star Wars would be the one I would pick for that necessarily. And that goes to how complicated or maybe it's it's just there's nuances to it that I wouldn't find beneficial to new players, like the, the narrative dice system, right? Some people will argue, no, it's the best one to use, but I wouldn't use it. Um, I would go with something maybe D6 or even D20 based. Um, in addition to getting them attached to a particular genre or property, probably something that I would know fairly well that isn't overly complicated and easy to explain. So, I mean, I don't, some people would say fifth edition D&D might not be the way to go but if you know it really well and it's you kind of trim back some of the the maths if you will um i mean even basic is pretty basic if you look at a character sheet so i think the the least amount of confusing moving pieces uh in combination with what they want to explore because there's a lot of people that want to explore they want to play the D's and D's because that's what they've heard of and they're, they've talked about it and they've heard it. And I know there's even folks out there that have wanted to get into our role-playing games 
and you'll offer them something and it'll say, is it Dungeons and Dragons? Cause I want to play that. That's what I hear. That's what I hear people talking about. I want to experience that. Okay, great. Then let's roll with it. That would be my take. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I also can't disagree with that take either because yeah, if someone wants to play D and D, and that's what they want to play, then that's, I think that's what I told Jason was give him D and D then. And then after that, say, Hey, that was D and D. I don't really run this very much. I run this other thing. I run sharp swords and sinister spells, or I run, you know, the black hack or whatever it is, and then see if they want to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the second, my last show with Harrigan, we talked about what's the best game system for a brand new game master. Now this assumes obviously that the person has some level of gaming knowledge, but what do you think is a good game for a new game master? You think to your, and this may be person dependent, but just generically speaking, what do you think is a good game for a new game master? So if I'm going off of what you're of the criteria you're laying that you're putting down, Eric, I think it's got to be the one that they play. If they've had experience playing and playing and playing and they've never game mastered, I mean it's not always it's not always the easiest answer that way. I mean it kind of is, but I say not easiest because the game that they are playing may not be the easiest to run. But because they've played it, I would imagine more than once. I mean, how many of us have done that? Like, we didn't go searching for the best game to run, even with the internet and done research. We've typically picked up the reins from the GM that's probably not delivering on the game we're actually playing in. Right. Yeah. Or Billy gets a girlfriend and he doesn't have time for the game group anymore. And, and now someone has to take up the dungeon master screen or they go off to college or yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't think we actually mentioned that during the cast was like, Hey, run. I guess my experience was if we had a bad game master, then yeah, it would be likely that someone else would want to run the game. Cause like, Oh man, that was terrible. You know, this horrible thing happened last session. The one thing I saw a lot in high school, which is where we were playing, like really starting to play, um, was someone was, you know, they're at Book World and they see a new game, right? Or we're in Fond du Lac at, at Chimera and that was a road trip for us, drive from Beaverdam all the way up to Fond du Lac. That's before 151 was four lanes, kids, who uh, Wisconsinites. That was back in the day when it was two lanes. No appreciation. No appreciation. So you go up there and you're like, and you're like, oh, wow, what's this Jovian Chronicles? I'm, I'm picking that up. Or, you know, I'm like, I love Robotech and I, there's a Robotech game. I'm grabbing that. So a lot of the games that we would like, I'm going to run this. It was typically like something that someone picked up outside of second edition. That was the game we were playing the most at the time was, was 2E. Um, that's just my generation's kind of like. That was our D and D, you know, that we were able to get into easily. Uh, but yeah, what I saw is normally someone would like they see something cool and they're like, "I want to run this because it's different," you know. That's definitely one approach: is literally just getting something that looks cool 
or <laughs> it's the cartoon you've watched on Saturday mornings forever when you were a kid or, or even still do if it's still on. Um, I don't know because <laughs> we, I have to say some of those games aren't that great. No, no. They, I mean, well, I mean, I, you there's pop it open and you're like, Ooh, I mean, if you've ever run, so I guess if you haven't run, it's kind of like trial by fire, not a big yeah. deal. Right. But at time, like you, I look back on some of those games. I'm like, Ooh, Oh, Oh, that's yeah. I don't know. They were tough. There's, there's some games now where I open up the book and I'm like, this feels like it's from 1996, which is not a good thing when I'm talking about game rules. I'm like, this has got a lot of derived stats and it's pretty complicated. There has been an evolution in game systems and mechanics that it's just, it's had a lot of time to percolate and bake. Yeah. Even some of those are awesome and great, depending on the particular nuts and bolts of it. Like some people just, it's such a weird, or it's such a weird space at times because there's people that love different games, which is the spice of life. But to kind of say, well, this one's easier to run versus another, I think it, it's like, it's like porn, Eric, you know, you know, a bad game when you experience it or read it. That's true. So I don't, I think there, some of it's going to come down to personal taste and, uh, understanding and, but at the same time, it's going to, somebody like you and I could sit down and go, we could both agree like the, not that one. Why? Well, it's probably because it's got a bunch of derived stuff and a lot of maths and it's for a new game master. It's going to, you know, it's a lot of overhead, much more work, labor intensive. Yeah, it. it's maybe a great game, but maybe not one to start off on. So it's it's a weird. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to me on any podcast, it's a really depends kind of answer. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for those that aren't familiar with Sean, though, I'm guessing most of the people that are listening to this are from the Gaming and BS Discord server most likely uh but there might be a couple people who aren't but so sean was co-host with a gentleman named brett for a little podcast called gaming and bs i'll put a link in the show notes um how many episodes do you guys have on that that was like it's a weekly show we officially had like 387 or something i think was the last recorded episode but i think if you take some of the bonus content we hit for a little over 400 Episodes. yeah so like seven years yeah yeah and I, and I would say that uh it was first the g plus community which didn't last very long unfortunately for me because i didn't get in until probably 2017 and then the podcast which actually helped get me back into gaming i always was thinking about gaming but it was actually mike Oswald, who said, hey, you should listen to these guys they're from wisconsin and i started listening to the podcast and i was kind of hooked right away and um it was cool because you guys were interactive. But anyway, this is not me trying to fanboy on Sean here, but uh, it was a great podcast. Um, you can still go listen to the back catalog, even though there's no new episodes. Um, Sean also has a really cool interactive Saturday morning um, live YouTube stream called How to RPG. Um, I unfortunately am just busy on Saturday morning, so I can't really participate a lot. Unless I'm ice fishing and I'm in the in the shanty, then I can throw it up out there and, and, and hang out. 
Um, you had a short-lived uh, GM mastermind where you brought on some different people. Uh, I was actually on one episode if anyone wants to go check it out. And Sean's got a Patreon too. All of those will be in the show notes. All right, so let's talk about the main topic. I don't have the cool gaming and BS main topic um, song your, intro. Your bumper intro. Yeah, yeah I don't have that. Um, but okay. tonight's main topic. So I might have to get one. So Sean has run several campaigns recently on the Gaming and BS Discord. And I was joking to Sean before the show, I called, I said he ran successful campaigns. And Sean's like, well, what's your definition of success? I'm like, campaigns that finished. <laughs> like, a campaign that starts and finish to me is successful. So this episode what I want to talk about is, you know, the campaigns you've you've had in the past, not just the recent ones, any ones you've had, which ones were successful? Why were they successful? What are some campaigns that you had that were not successful? And you don't have to name names or, you know, if you want to protect the innocent. But what made those campaigns not successful? And then how do you take the recent success and any past failures, merge those together so that going forward, when you're planning for a campaign, whether it's a five to ten session, whether you're going to do it for a year, whatever your plan is, how do you, you know, how do you take those lessons learned and go forward? Because I think for me, that's one of the hardest things. I mean, Sean can't see all of my stuff behind me, but I got a bunch of books there. I got books there. I got books there. I mean, you got all these books and it's really hard sometimes to even get a campaign off the ground and get rolling. So, and it can, nothing can be more frustrating than, than buying this new game that you were excited about trying to get organize it and then it just falls apart for whatever reason bad players scheduling whatever and now the game failed you spent eighty dollars on this new book 120 dollars on this new box set you know something you thought was gonna be really cool and it just failed and it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth so what i want to do is one maybe sean can help me help me prevent that from happening to me in the future but for those listening Maybe we can kind of pass on some knowledge to them and um and 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 you know prevent those bad campaigns from happening. And then at the end of the show, Sean's gonna tell me how he has such awesome hair because my hair is not nearly as awesome as his. Probably the best hair in tabletop podcasting, I would have to say. Always with the hair. <laughs> it's good. I'm jealous because <laughs> mine's receding and thinning. <laughs> it's much more to me than just my hair. I just want to say I feel <laughs> you feel uh objectified or whatever well you know it's just a, just a pretty face and good hair so so sean let's talk about some campaigns that either you've had recently or in the past that were that you would consider successful um what made those campaigns successful and i'll be taking notes because i'm going to summarize here at the end of the show all right then the most recent successfully run campaign would have to be the Delta Green Impossible Landscapes. Uh, I ran it, I think it went for over a little over a year, if I'm not mistaken. We were playing every other week with three players, all online virtually. And all three players, well, it, it started out with four, five, five players. Um, one dropped after the first chapter and one dropped like even before the first chat, like not too far into the first chapter, but the three st stuck, stuck with it for the entire time. Um, and one was Harrigan from your previous show. 
So for um, you guys may have, may have heard him on the show. I think the reason it was successful for me, I think the bar is not completely, um, it, it is what you mentioned. Like you started it and finished it for the most part. I mean, there was a last session and this is what happened and let's wrap it up and it's done. That's, that's a big one because many of the ones that I think are failures are ones that did not finish period. Like they didn't get off the ground. They had a limited number of sessions and that would, that's my, that's, that is my Achilles heel with, with campaigns uh, is just going all the way to the end. Um, I've had, and it's, it's burned me and some game groups uh, and friends that I've had where I've just started up games and then I stop them or I am the DM. I don't, I wouldn't say it's the GM that never shows up or maybe, maybe it is like, it just fizzles um, for a variety of reasons. So those are definitely failures. Uh, and I think the, so where do you want me to concentrate? Why it was a success or why, what, are, what makes the ones that fail fail? Let's talk, let's talk about impossible landscapes. Cause I know that's not, Everything I've heard is that that's like not easy game to run either. Um, frankly, Call of Cthulhu is probably from just trying to keep everything straight. If you're trying to run one of those camp pre-made campaigns, it's it's difficult, right? And on top of that, it's a fairly lethal game. If you play it rules as written, um, people can go insane and you know not lose and lose it. So it's interesting that that was successful. So let's start with that. So you know, what, what are like some of the key things that you think made that game successful? For hands down the players, I would say, um, in that regard, I think players will definitely help any campaign if they are invested, if they are enjoying themselves. Um, that's two huge ones because I think once you have players that aren't interested, um, that it's going to quickly fall apart or they'll just maybe bail or not be plugged in. And um, it'll, it just falls apart. It's kind of funny because you could have a player that's like, it falls apart for them, but the campaign still goes on to the end. So say la vie, but uh, I would say the players made it really good. And I was running with players that are all game masters. Now, I don't know if that's coincidence, but I think when you have players that have game mastered, it's another dynamic that can add to um, the success and willingness to try to, even with the bumpy sessions, to kind of trudge through. Where some players, not always, but it, and it can work both ways, but I, sometimes I don't know if players can empathize with what the game master has to really kind of do. Um, so I would say that's a big one. That's not to say that you got to have all the perfect players to run a successful campaign. So that's a big one. Um, it kept my interest as a game master, which is probably another big, big one. It, there's And it's, it's published. You know, that also could play a part in it because I could reference the material. I don't have to come up with something every two weeks or every week 
Although I will say, even with published, you got to read it and prep to some degree. And with this particular campaign, um, there, when I run Delta Green, uh, I've been accused of letting the party kind of run, run with it. Like they will hang themselves. Just let them know. <laughs> um, and I mean, to a fault sometimes where it's, all right, what do you do? And we just keep going on the same timeline and I don't do a lot of cuts, right? Like, okay, that's, let's stop there. Fast forward two days later. Like I'm usually, you know, four sessions could be two hours in game time. Right. So <clears throat> play good players, a game or a campaign adventure that the game master uh, continues to be interested in would be two of the big ones for sure. Um, yeah. The rules I think also come, come into play, but that's maybe not as much. Cause I think when you sign up for something long-term, you're probably going to know what the rules are a little bit and that's not the game for me or it is the game for me. Yeah. So, you know, I obviously, came up with this topic and I had asked you the questions kind of slightly in advance and then we just did them again. And so I'd started thinking about similar things, right? So I was also thought number one players, the people you're playing with, you have to enjoy playing with them and vice versa. Otherwise the campaign is, is either destined to fail or it's going to be a bad marriage and you're going to stay in it too long and you know drag your way through it and i know you've brought this up before and, and i've mentioned it a little bit too in, in the discord is that in the past you were kind of like if you're in deerfield wisconsin there might only be like four other kids that play D D in the town right so you 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 have to play with them there's no one else to play with and they might not be the best group to play with um same thing if you're in Beaverdam. Wisconsin, right? You may not have the best group to play with. Nowadays, I see stuff on X and people are like, my game group's terrible. This game master's terrible. It's like, you don't have to do that anymore unless you like really want to play in person and they only, you can only go to this game store and these are the only people available. With online play, I think, I think it's critical that you pick the right players for you and the players pick the right game master and other players. Cause I've seen it where what sunk the campaign is two players don't get along or there's, or the players create like a faction line and there's two on one side and two on the other side and, and they don't get along. It's nothing the game masters doing. It's like these people just don't like each other in my game. So it's, it's just unsuccessful. So I, I think players are, are, are super important, probably the most important thing for for a successful campaign for sure and i i think you're right and i appreciate you elaborating on the lack of my the lack thereof of my end like it's uh when you say when you or you have a good set of players there's so much that goes into that to your point and uh they think they can make things pretty rough <laughs> no question about it right they somebody doesn't like the system or they're they're passively aggressively going along because it's the only game that they can be a part of. So they do it, but they're really not there 
having fun. And so it'll come through and play eventually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, It could just be terrible. Um, There's so much that you're right. It's the chemistry of the group. I will also say that a big part of the success of it is a consistency because I've had campaigns fall apart because of lack of consistency. So scheduling is uh, can always be a problem. Like it's when I, I was on Twitter one time and I'm like, why do things, what is the hardest part of game mastering? What's the hardest part of like gaming? And I would say scheduling is ranked in the top three, like scheduling is just a pain in the butt, you know? And every, we were just like all agreed every other week as a matter of fact. And that's why one person didn't make it all the way through is because they couldn't make the night that we kind of chose. Now, having said that, there were nights when, you know, if we have, if I have three players and one's gone, it can make it for an interesting night. I still ran two, um, but the more players, if one or two are missing, you could still like have a full party if it relies on party composition and balance and things of that nature. But that's a huge one because I think if you say, look, we're going to commit every, even if you play monthly, I'm going to, we're going to play second Saturday of every month for this amount of time. Is everybody good with that? And if everybody can commit, it really, it, it just is so much better than, well, okay, let's look ahead to next month. What are we looking at? And I've had those and it's still been successful, but it's tougher, I think. Uh, especially if you're trying to get availability and nobody's telling you what their availability is ever. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I put the other one I thought of is what makes a successful campaign. And I'd put it as like one a is scheduled because how many games have not gotten off the ground because you couldn't get the first session scheduled or, you know, you, you're like, you wanted all five players there for session one, right? Because the thing is happening that starts the campaign and like, you know, for whatever reason, Billy can't show up this night. Susie can't show up that night and the game falls apart. So, um, the fact that you're able to have a consistent schedule with the Delta green game makes a big, is, is a big deal. And, if you can survive the times when you have to cancel, right? Cause stuff happens, right? So can you survive those cancellations? Um, I'm running solar blades and cosmic spells on the, on the gaming BS discord right now. And we've had to have a couple cancellations for reasons. Um, uh, I've had to work travel recently or the kids have like a sports ball thing or, or something comes up. And um, with one of them, I was like, Hey, we're going to go like a month without playing. I don't want to do that. Can, can we short cycle? Cause we're playing every other week as well. Can we short cycle one week so that we could just get a session in this month? Cause I don't want to not have a session this month. Cause it just weird stuff happened with the schedule. And they did, everyone agreed to it. We short cycled it. I was like happy. Cause I was like, okay, we're still carrying the momentum's not huge, but there's some momentum. We're carrying it from month to month and still going. So I think, I think schedule is, is huge. And I think a lot of times too, I've done it too, where someone's like, Oh, Hey Eric, I'm running this game. Game, do you want to play? And I know in the back of my head that I can't make that game probably. But like 
this person was in my game last time and I haven't played in one of their games before. And I don't, you know, they're asking me and they, you know, the game does sound cool. I want to be in it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in, I'll, I'll be in your game. Right. And then, you know, session one, I can't make it, you know, I can't make session two, you know, okay, let's make my character. You make the character. This just happened to me. It just happened where I was like, I did this to a person and I feel bad about it because I just like stuff just kept coming up where I couldn't make the game. Now, luckily for them, they kept going with their game. So it was fine, but I could have inadvertently sunk that campaign before it even started. If they, if that, if that killed the momentum, right? Like maybe that was the one extra domino they needed to get going was like a fourth player and they couldn't get it right. But I committed to it and then I couldn't do it. So I think that's a huge one is I think players sometimes, and game masters, frankly, overcommit to what they can actually do. Yeah, for sure. And real life happens, let's face it. You know, it, it happens. But it also can be... Uh, I got to be careful with my word choice. It's gotten me into trouble before. I call it, it you know, my, my buddy Jeff, I've referenced on the Gaming and BS show. I've grown up with Jeff. He's the he is so fun to have at the table because he's so like when he plays he's all in for the session right but one of the <clears throat> i got a frog in my throat while I, was um, I don't know where i was going to go with this um i think it was the the piece of um darn it oh i know what I, where i was going to go you know, I tell him, I say, we should play, like we were playing, we were playing once a month for a little while and that's fine. And it works. Sometimes though, if you can't schedule a weekend during the month, it goes two months. Right. Um, and one of the things I tried to get him to do is kind of say, and he had a lot of real life commitments, like he was getting his MBA and they, you know, took things took his time. And so one of the things I try to kind of say is think of it as a bowling night like every other week is a bowling night and you have that on the schedule to kind of unplug from everything else and have a good time. Um, some people could swing that some people can't, but it went with that. If you can, and you do, there is a level of, I guess, seriousness around it. And that, you know, not to say that somebody that can't commit is not serious, but I think that, there are different kind of um, approaches to what people prioritize in their life at, at times. You know, yes, some of us adults have to work. We have other things we have to, you know, do in life. But um, if you have two people that are die hard, if you will, super serious and this could be anything it could be hunting it could be you know bowling it could be you know a team activity you know intramural basketball and you you have a couple or one or two people that are kind of like i'm doing it just because i think it's kind of i don't know i didn't have anything much you know really going on and you know those guys will be fine because they've got you know six players and you know i'm the seventh so i could show up and i may not have to i'm not really that important that could be a different kind of dynamic. So going back to players again is 
who's kind of in, if you will, uh, for the long haul or being committed and invested, I think. Um, and if you are okay with somebody that can't be as invested as some of the other folks and it's still not a problem, then great. I think the problem comes in when, when there's a mismatch in expectations always. Like I think, I think the, I think the problem with campaigns that fail is just, it's the expectations. People are on different pages and that's it. That, that takes a, that's the whole bucket bucket label of expectations, anything that goes wrong, it's pulled out of that bucket. You know, I just thought of an analogy as you were talking about that, because I mean, gaming, I mean, we're like, well, it's just like real life. Well, yeah, it does have some similarities to real life, but I was thinking about it. Like, let's say you're going on a, you're, you're planning a trip to Vegas, right? And you're assembling your posse. Who's going to Vegas with you, right? So that's your campaign. Hangover? You, yeah, it's driving a movie. It's the hangover. It's well, the hangover. You, so I well, so I I went not this year, but last year. My brother had his bachelor party in Vegas, so we went, and um, it was a good time. Not nothing overly crazy. I mean, it wasn't like the hangover, but we did have a good time. Um, we had to pull back one. Well, we were down <laughs> <pull> back one. <laughs> did play a lot of craps though, um, and um. So, so we go, you know, it, and you, you think like, and I'm like, Hey, who's going, it's kind of like, it's like me being like, Hey, Hey, Sean, I'm running this solar blades and cosmic spells game. Do you want to be in it? Who's playing? Yeah. Who's yeah. playing? Right. Yeah, cause you, playing? cause you want to know, cause I know my brother's friend group. And so, you know, I'm like, I, there's, there's a couple guys that might be a little too crazy for the group, or maybe they bring someone who's too boring for the group. So I think it's, I think it's kind of like that. Think about, as you're assembling your player base, you're going to be with these people for, I don't know, however long you play each week, two to six hours, once a week, every other week, whatever. Is is, is everyone going to jive correctly? Yes. It, and I should say on the flip side, you could get somebody that shows up and that are, that they're too hardcore. Hey, 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 can we keep the chatter down? Like, I, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, you know, a week at the improv. Can we keep yeah. the camera low? I'm, it's serious business. Like, ooh, you know, record scratch. Oh, yeah. got that guy at the table. Oh, so Sean wanted really serious people. And that's not. <laughs> <laughs> so on the flip side, somebody that's like the casual, you get somebody that's just a little too fanatic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like the person who goes to Vegas and wants to sit at the uh high gow table all night, you know, and they 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 speak like uh Mandarin and they're over there like all night long and they don't want to go to the buffet at the Bellagio or go to you know do different things. So I think that's very important that you think of it like that and I I think it's hard too because it's like like you said you go back to it's like well this person is my friend. I know this person. I've talked to this person a really long time. I think it's very important that we, that you can still be friends with that person, but say, I, I just don't like gaming with that person. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are, I mean, it's like <laughs> you and I, I think anybody can relate to this. You're in the workforce and you know that one person 
they're a great person. You would, you would go out, have beers with that person. You would invite them over for the holidays, but you cannot stand working with them because they're a crappy worker <laughs> or vice versa. They're a great worker would never invite them to you know, something personal. Like, <laughs> uh, man, I, so for those that don't know, I was in the Navy, I was on submarines and submariners are just strange people. And there's people that I would have, you know, ride or die with out at a port or on the boat, but there is a 0% chance I'm recommending them for a job at my current place of employment because I know them and I know that they're not a good fit for, for the corporate culture that I currently exist in. I mean, if they came to me and they're like, Hey, Eric, I, I'm destitute. I have no job. I need money really bad. Okay. I, I'll be like, all right, dude, I'm going to try to hook you up, but don't screw this up for me. <laughs> I face that because that's part of my job. And yeah. And I had worked for a DOD contractor and, you know, I had a couple of veterans that were like, veterans can do everything. They can do anything. They've, they've been under different situations and stress levels and they've tackled things that many people are unable to do based on this or that they have, you know, training. It just, and I, I think to myself, yes, I would help out veterans for sure, but let's face it. We've all been in the military at, you know, some of us have been in the military where it's like, yes, they've got my back in a foxhole, but I would never hire them into a job where I would. <laughs> All right, guys, it's just not. Oh, you can imagine. You're, just because you are so, like, you are one does not make you a, like, it's compatibility with anything. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine being underwater for 70 days. You really get to know people. And... <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be like, I'm sure the guys on the space station must have the same thing. Like the dude who's just up there for like a year. But they really, yeah, yeah. No, he, he really. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So we talk about schedule. We talk about players. So, yeah, I think, I think keeping stuff in, keeping interested is, it's probably gonna differ for various people, right? Like what interests you? Obviously I know you got into Cthulhu kind of like um, in the whole Delta green scene a little bit later in your gaming career, but you really grokked on it. Like you can go listen to Sean on, on some of the, probably the last 25% of gaming and BS episodes. And you talk about it quite a bit because, because Brett was really big into horror. And um, I think what, when was the seminal moment for you where you got to Cthulhu? Was it, was that was it game gamehole con where you played in a session or the guys at gamehole con every once in a while would have, would run a local game at a store okay yeah and, and Royce is one of the team at gamehole staff and um he was I I went to game day or whatever it was called and he was running called Cthulhu and I think it was the first one I had played ever. Because growing up, Call of Cthulhu existed. It's been around for a long time. Zero interest at all. Um, and maybe it was lack. I mean, back then we, oh my God, we didn't have internet. I know, shh, don't tell everybody, but there was no internet. So it wasn't like you could go and, and better understand it. You just went off of what you thought you knew. So if it was in the, I don't want to touch bucket, then that's where it stayed for a long time. 
but I like the role playing game, not to get into Call of Cthulhu, but I like the role playing game aspect of it. And it's a different type of game than some of the ones that I grew up playing. So it was a style and approach that uh, I enjoyed. And then Delta Green was something that I think I'd been seeking for a long time in the espionage space, even though one, you know, I don't know if it's really diehard espionage, but it has elements of conspiracy and investigation that I appreciated it as well. But again, was around in the nineties, but it was, I think that came around when I got out of gaming because I had, had a huge 15 year gap, but yeah. Uh, yes. I, yes. So it's gotta be a subject matter that interests you. And have, have you ever been asked to run a game or system that Actually, I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Where you're just like, people know you can run it. You've actually run it, and you probably run it decently well. And that's what the party or the people want, but you just don't want it. I have to say, that's a, that's being a good host. Knowing that, that that exists and then putting it out there in such a way. So, yes, um, I was running a Curse of Strahd game. And it fell apart for a variety of reasons. One, I think, was scheduling, which I think I always downplayed. But scheduling was a big issue. And I think it was engagement. So, you know, trying to coordinate things online and not having half the people respond is hard to schedule. And it just took the air out of me. I think the game would have been okay. Um, But it... There were some nuances where it was uh, not. If I did it again, I would I would do it differently. And it was fifth edition, obviously. So I used Curse of Strahd, native fifth edition rules, fine adventure and campaign. But uh, I think we had maybe two sessions of that, three sessions. And uh, I think that at that point in time, I was kind of getting away from have an appreciation for what fifth edition offers. And if your game master has that kind of epiphany, um, your campaign usually isn't going to withstand that. Yeah. We'll, we'll explore curse of Strahd a little more. Um, I I know you talked about it. uh, You've talked about that a little bit on the gaming and BS podcast too, but we'll explore that because I think there's some things, there's some meat on the bone there to discuss elements of why campaigns aren't successful sometimes but back to the question i asked and your answer is yes you have been asked to run a game system that you weren't necessarily super interested in anymore well and i think i started out with that and then it waned so it wasn't maybe you know maybe you know me better than i do i don't know if i've ever sat down and said "Ooh." ahead of time like oh they want me to run fatal hmm oh i i i just remember some of the conversation at the time it it felt like your because you because you ran temp uh tomb of annihilation prior to that and you ran successfully finished it Uh, uh how long did that campaign run for Geez, over at least over a year, maybe 18 yeah. months. Yeah. So I know that was a long one. 
and there was a lot of five E, but I think I could tell because you would give report outs on the on the game on on the podcast, like what happened and stuff. And it felt like to me, and I think maybe some of your Twitter activity, if you were to go back during that time period, might also indicate it felt like maybe that five E was kind of like waning on you waning on you i don't know if waning's the right way waning the lump bearing, bearing, on me. bearing on you yeah your your love for 5e or or at least your uh tolerance for 5e was waning um and i i think that's an important thing to discuss is that you know you got to make sure you're not burnt out on the game uh frankly i wasn't ready to run solar blaze and cosmic spells because i had um a campaign that finished so one could call it successful but it was not fully satisfying for me hmm. and so i had put solar blades aside and it was actually my buddy scott was like hey i really he made a character for it like a long time ago and he's like i really want to play this character and i really want to play solar blades and i was like okay well i'm ready to run something i'm like i'll see if anyone's interested right and um once I started like planning it and then getting the players involved, like I became interested again. Um, partly because I'm using uh, Chat GPT to help me like build the campaign, and it's fun building it because the cognitive load is so much less now than what it was previously. Kind of going back to the publish versus homebrew thing. I'm homebrewing it, but because I'm using the AI generation my cognitive load is so much lower so i don't stress about prepping it, it like i just feel better so it's easier for me to run the game so it's keeping my interest because it's not i'm not like emotionally expending myself because there was another solar blades game i ran um once again was successful because it finished um where I was generating a lot of rumors because I wanted it kind of be like West March's style to some degree, where it was like, hey, here are the rumors that are happening on this big mega planet city. And the players, you get to go kind of interact with whatever rumors you want to interact with. Otherwise, there's no story, like nothing's going to happen this session if you don't go interact with one of these rumors. Um, and it got kind of like tiring to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to make this into like more more of a linear campaign at some point because generate all the rumors and then i would then post what happened like the next time because like oh there's rumors of these space elf refugees down in the sewers and then the next time i'd post like the space elf refugees were you know like removed by the gestapo and are you know now enslaved in like cell block 36c you know and so it was just it got kind of like tiring and i was like okay i kind of don't want to do that anymore because you're doing, you're putting a lot of work in and you're not necessarily seeing the fruits of your labor because the players aren't engaging with all of the rumors or any of the rumors. So you're like, okay, I got to move on. Um, so that's interesting. Um, rules. That's another one you mentioned. Um, I think that's important too. I don't want to go into that too much because that's going to vary greatly in my opinion. Do you agree with that per game master? Like who, like what's, like the rules it's you may find like forbidden lands because I can see it on your shelf. Like the rules, like super interesting. Right. But I might be like, it's too procedural for me. I, it's not, I don't want to be doing that all the time. Yeah, no question. We've, we've played games where we've done uh, very short arcs 
you know, three or four sessions, three hours each, just to, you know, somebody may be very gung ho about trying that game. And then there's somebody that's willing to run it. And then the rest of the players are willing to go uh, for the along for the ride. And those are good instances of being able to get a taste of those mechanics and then determining like, yeah, this isn't going to be for me. Like I ran Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games Genesis system for uh, our group that meets every couple of weeks virtually. And, you know, I think for two of the players, I could, I know one player, Harrigan probably is not a fan. Like, you know, I played with Harrigan in Star Wars and he was totally into it. I know. I think I think he, it's probably my game. So that's yeah. a, that's a, it, <laughs> no, exactly. it was the game you ran. It was when you were doing like oh, it's the, one of the uh, organi- or one of the yes, yeah, the, yeah. The kind of drop in, drop out. Yeah. Um, I think longer term, though, I don't think it's his jam. I don't think he had a problem playing. But here, well, let's just let's just let's assume everything about Harrigan and we can talk yes, about it here. Yes, I like it. Here, uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm actually going to title this episode. What's wrong with Harrigan? Oh, um, I like it. I love it. Yeah. 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 So let's pivot, shall we? No. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that there are going to be certain games that people tend to grok. And even in the, the same group, uh, you might, you might split that down the middle and, you know, if you're committed to a long-term campaign, that's going to go on for, I don't know, 12 sessions, maybe you meet once a month. I mean, that's a year of commitment. And if it's something you're like going to your point, it's too procedural. You know, I think with the, the Genesis system, reading the tea leaves, some people may just not want to want to do um, or come up with their own, like the game master has to come up with the failures and there's, could still accomplish something but still have setbacks and i think you can do that with much many of the games but it's somewhat codified in in fantasy flight games as star wars it's going to make for a long slog for a player that just does not want to play that particular type of style or that process or procedure or whatever in even setting to some extent like uh star wars like all right fine yeah well some people just yeah they don't like star wars which is strange to me because i love star wars but... i don't understand it either what is <laughs> wrong with people these days like i don't right. kind of like star wars like what it, what don't you like about it it's got space wizards and laser swords i mean who doesn't like that i think Mirko is like very adverse to ip i don't know what his deal oh, is oh Mirko, i didn't know that well habit yeah yeah he did uh, a youtube i only knew this after watching his youtube video about it but Maybe I'll have to put a show show note in there to link to Mercos. So have him on to talk about role playing games and IP. And oh, how, that's how, how good that's they a, are. That's a good one. I, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have that one on. I am also kind of in the camp of Merco where I tend to not like establish IPs as my role playing game, except there's some exceptions. Star Wars is one of them because the, I feel like there's a lot you can do in the universe. Um, I've never played Star Trek, but I think that would be another one where I'd be totally fine with it. Um, I clearly am fine with Robotech. Is uh, there's, there's a lot of stories you can tell in between um, the major events in Robotech. So, so there, there's um, there's definitely some room there, in my opinion, for for IPs. But like Lord of the Rings, is zero desire. Oh, see, 
Why? Because I, I feel like I feel like if I wanted to play, because I know I can't impact the outcome of that world because everything's already been established, and um, if I wanted to just go kill some trolls, like I'll go play Hero's Journey 2E. Well, you know of... there's somebody yelling at their podcatcher saying, wait a minute, hold on a second. Yeah. So Star Wars is fine. Yes, because it feels like you can do things in Star Wars because it's a big galaxy, right? You can do things over here on this planet that no one's ever heard of that are big and have like impact, but don't change the fact that the Death Star gets blown up, right? And, you know. You do know Middle Earth's pretty big too, you know. It's not really that big. They walked across it. It can't be that big. <laughs> They're short little legs. Well. And I do, and I love Lord of the Rings. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the Lord of the Rings story. And I was actually actually talking to Jason Connolly the other night. Him and I were it's actually when I was traveling for work. Birds variety podcast fame. Yes, another one. Yep. Yep. He's he was on a couple couple shows ago. But him and I were like, I was asking him all kinds of questions about like the different ages, because I never got into like the scholarly stuff about it. But and that was the thing I said to him. I was like, Oh, that's really cool and I find it very interesting. But like if I'm gonna play in like a Gennaro fantasy world, I don't want to do it in Middle Earth. I just don't. I'd rather do it in like I don't even want to do Dragonlance, like the whole Dragonlance stuff that's coming out. Once again, that was the first fan fantasy book series I read. I have zero desire to play in Dragonlance. Maybe it's just fantasy for me because it's the same thing with Wheel of Time, which is like my favorite book series. Third fantasy property. And you're like, hey, I have an adversity to that. And I'm like, what, are, hmm, what do they have? It's it's fantasy IPs. I'm just not interested. But science fiction IPs, sure. I'm in. Well, uh, there we go. I, I empathize because I, I feel somewhat similar, but it, I don't know. And the One Ring is interesting because you they make no qualms. There is, you know, they you meet Gandalf, you meet major players in the War of the Ring, and it takes place during a certain time. Uh, and they say that right out in, right in the game. And you're right. I don't think it's for everybody that's like, wait a minute. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to meet up with that. But. All right. So let's get into. So I'm just going to summarize real quick before we get into campaigns that have failed, because that's really what people want to hear about. Um, said players are important. Scheduling, super important. And from players, they need to be invested, enjoying themselves, they need to be interested. And I said the players kind of need to jive with both you and each other. Um, should keep the GM interested, obviously running every day, and it should be a rule system, which we said is interesting to the GM, but I think it also has to be the players too, because for example, for me, um, like Troika, Morkborg, um, all the Borgs, all the Troikas, I, I don't find the games very interesting. I'll do them as a one-shot, um, but mechanically, I don't like the mechanics. They're there's like I, there's not enough progression that needs to happen like built into the game so i just don't want to play it in a campaign um same thing with dcc i i don't want to play dcc um because i don't like how the the stats work it's it's dumb i don't like the math like when i look at the math i'm like statistically i'm like the math is not good so i don't want to play that game <laughs> that's just 
it's just like a, it's a, I know, and everyone loves DCC, and I'm one of the guys that does. So, um, I know, I know, I'm really weird like that. What am I think? Well, I so, agree that it, you have to. I think there's a certain uh, glue uh, elements of of this, and I think what you're putting together is a. Any any of the glue that's weak in some of these joints are are gonna ultimately uh, put your campaign at higher risk of failing for sure. All right, let's get into that because that's really this that we want to get into the Jerry Springer side of this podcast <laughs> and like really dig deep into the dark side of Sean's campaigns. Um, really, it's you get too much credit on the server for running good games. I want to tear you down now. So that's what I want to do. I want to go find the games you failed at. Uh, so, so <laughs> we talked about scheduling. We we'll just say that's probably that's that's like if it's not the number one killer of a campaign, it's like the number two killer. If if, it, if the schedule doesn't work, it's not happening. It is scheduling is one thing, but I also that goes along with it. One one of the situations I had at one point I got kind of. Kind of got dirty a little bit. If you want dirt, here you go. I don't think it's bad, but you know, I was trying to organize sessions for Curse of Strahd and even Star Wars. I think because Curse of Strahd, I'm like, you know, I just I don't want to. I don't. I'm kind of done with this as a game master, and so I pivoted to Star Wars, and I had the players on board with playing Star Wars, and then it that collapsed very quickly. And one of the things that collapsed, not not the only reason, but one of them was. You know, I had to, we had to organize something. And if you have, like, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't create a Facebook group to just game, like, for one game. So I'm like, hey, is everybody good with using this platform, whatever it is? And it happened to be forums at the time. Yep, yep, yep. And then nobody, half the people wouldn't go there to kind of, all right, hey, this is what happened last session. Hey, what are we looking at the next one? Can people chime in? So part of it is scheduling and part of it was just lack of saying when you were available or not available. So there's that engagement piece and that just threw me for a loop and I'm like, I'm not chasing anybody. So it, it was, uh, could I have put more effort into it? Maybe. Um, but it, that was a big one for me. And, I, yeah, and it, I, was, it wasn't my first, like I've had, I've probably had more failed campaigns than I've had successful. Crazy. I would like to, if anyone's listening wants to, like, send me a message on Discord, uh, send me a voicemail via the email that's attached. I'd like to hear that too because I agree. Same for me. I would say I've had recently my most successful games are actually convention games where I run like a really fun, like one shot game because it doesn't have all the trapping issues that a, a campaign has um there's a lot of moving parts involved yeah in a campaign style approach and with convention games you know the expectations are very i don't know i don't think they're lower but it's there isn't as many moving parts the the time is scheduled the people are opting in which we have not even gotten into which i think is huge Right. People opting into the game versus, well, I'm opting in, but it's really under duress. Right. It's kind of like, well, if Sean's going to run that game, I kind of have to play that game. 
Yeah, because you're the, the we're, that's our that's my Saturday night game group. We always play Saturday night. Sean's Sean's running uh, Million Dead Babies the RPG, right. and he uses, right he uses a D one thousand and you played. <laughs> you played. That's the sheer familiar. Yes. <laughs> it's and you miserable. can do whatever you want in the game. You do whatever you want in the game as a game master. Like if you want to fail forward, you can do that. Like you don't need a rule to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but but so so that's so we talked about scheduling, but yeah, so players. So opting in versus this is my game group. So at least for me right now, my I have two kind of game groups that I'm that are playing normally. I have my solar blades game which i recruited i didn't even i like ask individual i just said hey i'm running this game who wants to play so the people volunteered to be there so they want to be there they volunteered to do it so i feel like and they might even listen to this podcast i feel like they're invested in the game one of the players asked me to run the game the other people, he doesn't even know them, join the game. So everyone wants to be there, at least right now. Maybe in a, like, a couple more sessions, they won't want to be there. This level, checkbox checked. Right. Right. And the the other game group I, I run, well, we're kind of rotating through Connerly and I, and then a guy named Scott, who's on the Discord, um, kind of lurks. We just play a three-person group, and it's usually we're like, I'm play testing something I built or Jason's like, Hey, I've never got to run stay frosty. Do you guys want to play stay frosty? I'm like, I've always wanted to play stay frosty. So yes, of course. And Scott's newer to RPGs. So he kind of is like very enthusiastic about everything. And it's like, of course I want to play. He's like, he'll play anything. Cause he's, he's, he didn't play through high school. Right. He so hasn't, he hasn't gone through the muck. <laughs> he hasn't yeah. gotten to the jaded, the, right. the jaded element and level of, so so both game groups want to be there, want to spend time together. It's Mondays, which I've set aside on my personal calendar. It used to have a reminder, but my wife deleted it. I don't think she liked it, but it used to say Eric Gaming Mondays to try to make it so it's like bowling night, right? So that it's Monday, I'm, I go upstairs, or in this case, I go downstairs to do the gaming thing. Now, there are some nights where one of my kids pisses me off and like totally ruins my appetite for anything except alcohol. So I don't feel like gaming that night, but um, we kind of have it set. So where was I going with that? Oh, so the player base is, I'm not forcing anyone to play the game with me. It's like a convention. I put out a game. People said, yes, I want to play that game. That sounds interesting. And they come in. So I'm not making people play the game. So I think I think that's a key element. And no what well in this case someone did ask me to run the game, but I was able to like like quickly gear up and be like, oh okay, this is the campaign I'm gonna run. Like I rolled, I used the random tables here and so blaze of cosmic spells in Diogo's book, which are excellent. And then from there it just kind of took off, right? It was like a little seed and it grew, right? So so in both instances, the game master, I'm interested in the game mechanically. Um, I like Sword of Blades and Caustic Spells because there's not that many rules, so I can kind of do whatever I want, which is fantastic. And um, the players want to be there. I think that's like a win. So when the players don't want to be there is when games can fall apart. And when the game master is running something that maybe they 
don't want to run. Like the 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 part they the table wants five E. Sean's just done with five E for whatever reason. Five E is a good five E is the best in my opinion. I know this will get some hot takes. Is five E is the best version of Dungeons and Dragons that Wizards of the Coast has ever put out. I have I have said that. <laughs> yeah. <It's... laughs> So, you know, you're you're if if you are saying it that you are you are not alone in that. Yeah, so it's it's a fine game, but you know, there's some days where I just don't want, you know, I I personally also have no interest in running 5e. I would rather run ICRPG because it I does more of what I want to do. So that's that's my thing. Um you mentioned engagement, communications versus expectation. Um, I think this is interesting because, yeah, if you go into the game thinking like, oh, we're going to ha have a Google form or we're going to have a Facebook group or you know, we're going to have a Slack channel or a Discord channel where, you know, like in between sessions, people are going to post things like, oh, I'm going to go talk. You know, we're back in town after, you know, saving the orc babies from the trolls. I'm going to go talk to the barkeep. You know, and if you as a game master are like geared up for that and it doesn't happen. This has happened to me before where I thought there's going to be in between session interaction. It can really kind of like sink, you know, take the wind out of your sails because now that's not happening and you get to the session and people are like, now I want to go talk to the barkeep about the, the orc babies. And you're like, well, I thought you're going to do that like in the discord because now we only have three hours to play tonight and the talking about the orc babies is going to take an hour and you know what do orc babies eat i don't even know right so that that's that's going to be the discussion that you have with the barkeep grass and corn <laughs> grass and corn <laughs> cornbread um so i think that's important um what are some other elements that you think have have sunk campaigns we talked about players not jiving Players not wanting to be there, scheduling being an issue, engagement. Um, I have one item, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see that I think is I think is the number one thing that outside of the other things we talked about that that ruined campaigns for me. I'm interested. I'm trying to guess what that might be. Um Well here, let you you think about what you think it is, and I'm gonna tell you in a second. You got it in your mind? Did you make I a guess? I'm trying to think like what I'm, you know, chemistry you mentioned. Uh, expectations is a huge one. The rule system and the game, wanting to play the game, whatever the game, the offering. Um, I'm trying to think. And then I think it's just, and the chemistry is also like with other players too, right? It's along the lines of chemistry. Um, it's for me, it's tone. Something oh. I've it's something I've realized recently, and um, one of the things that I realized is that as a game master, I thought I had more influence on tone of the game than I actually do. Um, tone of the game is completely controlled by the players, almost in my opinion, like because they outnumber you, so they can they they can create the tone because there's if there's five of them, it's five to one. You can keep trying to make it grim dark. And if they're doing Monty Python jokes and doing Adventure Time the whole the the whole time, then it's not grim dark anymore. You, you, well, I also <laughs> think failing as a game master by not pounding them into submission. I mean, really, 
space. <laughs> like you obviously are not, you know, you gotta stop pulling the punches. You've got to, you know, you, I think folding of the arms behind the game master screen and not saying anything for a good five minutes and staring each one of those players in the eye without saying anything, I think is quite effective. And as its own moment in time where you can really course correct for that, that small, you know, I would say speed bump, right? Cause it can't be too large. Right? Otherwise what are you doing with that group? Yeah. What I've seen with tone <laughs> is that I've gotten into it can, it can ruin it for the game master too. Right. So you're trying to run grim dark. You're trying to run serious. Maybe you're trying to run. Um, I, I'll give an example where I didn't institute the correct tone. Uh, one of our buddies was running monster of the week and that was his game. That was like, he, he bought monster of the week. He's like, okay, I want to run it. I'm like, Oh, it's PBTA. I've never played it before. Let's play it. Sounds cool. And we're playing the game. And what I'd say is, is that, you know, the game, the storyteller, whatever, keeper, whatever it is, and Monster of the Week, they they had watched like a lot of like supernatural, like those type of shows. So they had a very specific kind of like tone that they had in their mind of like, hey, I think this game's going to be like this. It's just like if I was running a Robotech game, I ha I know what the tone of Robotech is. That's how I'm going to expect the game to be. And we did not institute that tone and frankly we're probably incapable of it because i'd never seen supernatural i probably should have watched it before the game a little a couple episodes um i'd seen like angel and like buffy but it'd been a long time um and so like we i don't think anyone else had watched much supernatural either so we did make the right tone and the game master he was frustrated with that because he was he was trying to get like a certain experience out of the game for himself as the game master. And we didn't deliver it on the player side of things. You let him down. Yeah, we did. And I think it's, and that's something, and I've had that happen too. Like Jason will joke, Connor will joke that I ran a Solar Blades game and he was in it and he was like, oh yeah, it was exactly like Futurama. That was not what I was going for. I didn't, I didn't, and he loved the fact that it was like Futurama, but it wasn't what, I was intending to do. I didn't even know you had it in you. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Look at the um, dynamic range you bring. Yeah, inadvertently made it Futurama. But, Bravo. you know, going back on that is, you know, do you adapt? So let's say the group is all, you know, fart jokes and, um, you know, Monty Python. Do you, do you just go with it and say, well, they really want to do this as a game master. Well, this might bother me a little bit. Can I adapt what I'm doing or do I need to pull the ripcord? Do I need to provide like, you know, snap the chalk line and say, Hey guys, the tone of the game isn't what I want. And I did this recently. I, I don't know if Scott will listen to the episode. Um, this isn't really calling him out. It's just something that happened. I'm, I, I'm playing or I'm creating a game called final round. And it's sort of based on the mecha hack, but it's basically like it's designed to be like a Street Fighter side scrolling, like Streets of Rage, Double Dragon type game. And we're playing the game and they beat up some dudes and they beat up some like some like named uh, like bot like mini bosses, basically. And 
Scott's character is like a Ukrainian or Russian busboy. He works at the family restaurant. You know, it's like combat sambo. That's his character shtick. And I'm like, okay, what do you guys do with the um, with the the people you knocked out? Because it's not like a game where like you kill people. Like you can, but it's not the design intent of the game. It's like Street Fighter. He's like, I snap their necks, and I was like, ah. He's like, no, really, I snapped their necks. And, and so, like, we broke for the week, and we came back, and I was, and I, and it was one of those moments where I was like, hey, it doesn't really make sense to me in the tone of the game that you would like snap their necks, like, just, just doing that, right? So, I think in the past, where good example of pounding the player into submission, yeah. you also have that in you. I pick one. But I think in the past, I wouldn't have said anything about the tone. Like, I, I wouldn't have, like, been like, hey, Sean, every session you quote the Knights of Knee and it's kind of getting old. <laughs> you know, like, I wouldn't have said that previously. I would have just, like, tried to move on, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe brett's sitting next to you and he's just like staring laser beams through your head every time you say the quote because he's sick and tired of it and i can see it because i'm far back i can see everything from thirty thousand foot and i can see (laughs) but and it's a ticking time bomb waiting to destroy the game somebody's better at reading the table than somebody else yeah 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 so so that's mine mine is tone is is tone can sink a campaign very quickly if the tone the tones of the of the people don't match up of like what what type of game you're trying to run yeah i would agree with that i i have had that happen i had one player and i i did the shameful i'm done and then a month later regroup the group minus the one yeah you know because it was a night at the improv or it seemed all the time there was always a joke at every you know, t- every situation and uh, got to be a bit much, I would say, on the Sean Kelly scale. I have since matured and have no problem with, you know, conflict resolution and bringing it to somebody's attention and saying, you know, this isn't a night at the improv. If you'd like to do that, they have amateur night every Wednesday downtown. So, okay with an occasional joke. But this is an SNL audition, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a good point. So, um, yeah. So, so we've been ripping for a while. Um, is there anything you want you want to talk about with campaigns that have fallen apart? And I would say, you know, okay, so we've talked about good campaigns and successful campaigns and ones that have fallen apart. So how do you, how do you lower the risk of something falling apart? And some of the things we've touched on, I think, can apply to that. I also think that campaign length and shortening it can help as well, because it also may eliminate or reduce, again, the risk of it getting boring, people getting burned out, people starting to flake, you know, and saying, I really don't, because then it becomes maybe, maybe it is the game, but it didn't start that way. And maybe it gets to that point. So if you're just going to like, this thing's the five-year never-ending 
I don't know, that guy's running like a 40-year age. Oh, that dude who was on like Forbes or whatever, yeah. Uh, like, hey, man, I got I got to take a break like for 20 years. I'll be back. Um, but I think if you limit it, like we've gone to like very short, shorter time spans for, I don't know if you even want to call them a campaign, probably a mini arc where you're playing three to four, maybe five sessions, three hours a piece. You get a lot of gaming, you get an understanding of the rules, and then you can determine if you want to go longer. Because I think even with Forbidden Lands, um, we've had some pretty long stints, but we've had uh, two different game masters, three different campaigns. You know, I had one, you know, does one count if it's uh, almost the TPK? Is that a failure of a campaign? No, no. I don't, you know, it's kind of a gray area for me at times. But uh, I think if you shorten it a little bit and try the game for what it is, even with players that are intrigued, um, and it doesn't work after five sessions, it doesn't become this like, oh, it failed, but it was because of all these things that was due to time. But I don't know. No, you bring up great points. So lower the risk, make sure the schedules line up, make sure there are players you want to play with. And then what's the scope of the project? It feels like we're kind of talking about project management here. Well, you know, I mean, if we got a budget and we can throw <laughs> that in there, but you got to, you know, if we tweak anything, it's going to extend the timeline. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great thing about length. So that was one of the yeah, things this, with this, with this, uh, they do it in Jira. Um, Hey, my project manager resume is ready if anyone's interested. Um, totally run it like a project at work because I'm sure your players would love it. They would. They, they like KPIs. Yeah, I think they would like them. <laughs> they really like it. Some KPIs in there. Um, length is a good one too. We didn't talk about that, um, and that's something that I've been trying to focus on. Is saying like, hey, this is this is not going to be a long campaign. Oh. Uh, Got the yawns, but yeah. um, you told me not I, to yawn. I've been withholding all this time. I know too. it's tough. It's late. It's getting. It's almost eleven o'clock here. Um, so we'll wrap it up here pretty soon. But um, it even in the Solar Blades one I'm running right now, my initial thing was like, oh, they're just gonna go do this thing, but, and I and I, you know, if the players are listening. I'm gonna leave it up to them after this the sequence happens where they're doing the initial mission and see like, Hey, do you guys want to keep going? Because I have more like, because chat GPT has helped me create like a whole thing that could keep going or it could stop here. If you guys are like, cool with this. Um, and I think it's tough. If you go look like, I think that's what shadow of the demon Lord does really well is he it's, it's designed to be 10 sessions. 10 adventures and then it's done. It's the 10 most important adventures that that character is going to go through in their, their career. And I think he based that on like some research he did was like, that's like the average campaign length is that many sessions. Um, so, so I think it's important to think like, okay, is this going to be, you know, are they going to go to the tomb of the iron God and just clean everything out? Or are they going to have to get all the way to Mount Doom and throw the ring in the, in, in the fires of Mount Doom? And how long is that going to take? 
And do you have the bandwidth and capacity to make that happen? One thing we didn't get into is stars and wishes, which is probably a huge, huge feedback mechanism that would prevent a campaign from imploding. Do you see that? Do you, man, I can't get feedback at work half the time from people that are paid to give feedback. I, I guess I've had minimal success with, with, or seen minimal success with the stars and wishes. I mean, I have to say for impossible landscapes, I I didn't use them, but I do think that it can be very useful and maybe it's not, the stars are like the praise, right? Yeah. And you're supposed, and you're supposed to do this at the table right after the session. Like you're not supposed to do it offline. You're not supposed to do it, um, you know, down the road. It's supposed to be like right after the session and it's a play on thorns and roses and thorns, I guess. Yeah. Um, but without the negative connotation. So if you were to sit down and do wishes, even just wishes, because, you know, you could sit there and say, oh, God, Eric's, you know, his character, he really came through so awesome. And being a star, which is great, it's got that positive reinforcement. But the wishes part is literally like, I wish I got more spotlight time. I wish we could run into these guys more often. I mean, as a game master, you just play to those. And yeah. you're like, got it. Okay, that makes more sense. Because the last thing is, where you're just kind of running the game to the way that, you know, sometimes we get into, I'm going to run, this is the story I'm about to tell. So I'm going to, I want to convey this. I've got this in mind. I've got it all over here, you know, all mapped out. Well, yeah. When the players are like, I don't want to follow your little map. (laughs) That's again, going to be a problem with your campaign. So if you can adjust midstream it's huge well and i think that plays into another piece if you're running a campaign allow it to be a dynamic campaign in my opinion i I definitely when i was younger would try to run i was trying to write my own version of wheel of time right and i wanted to play it out with d20s i don't do that anymore i make your own yeah yeah, you gotta, make, cre- you gotta make your own equivalent to the wheel of time that you appreciated, not yeah. what you think is like. Yes. Yeah, you you create the the scenario, and and you have to be allow flexibility. I think that's the other part part of a successful campaign is, yes, you have some core thought or tenant. You know, the evil wizard is taking over the land with his jackal people, but then allow, you know space around that for the players to manipulate and do things and then also be willing to be like oh the players are going to the you know to the 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 stone forest oh man that has nothing to do with what's going on but i also don't want this to be a completely wasted trip so how can i incorporate the stone forest into what's happening um i i think that's also another thing that you you can kind of see it in a game, you know, especially it's more when you're younger, but I'm sure it still happens now with, with us older gamers, but like you're running, you're doing something. You're like, I'm going to go to the forest. Yeah. The, the river's flooded and uh, it's got piranhas with lasers on its head in the river. So you can't cross it. I'm going to try to cross anyway. Yeah. You, when your horse gets close to the water, it takes 5,000 damage. 
You know, like, just they're doing everything to tell you that, you know, you can't go to the stone forest, even though the stone forest is on the map, you can't go there because they don't want you to go there. And I'd be surprised on how often that actually happens. Yeah. Well, so I struggle with this. I ran a published adventure um, from the Humblewood box set. Um, so it's 5e. It's my first time ever running 5e. It's a level one to five, like mini campaign. And it's kind of supposed to be a sandbox, but at the same time, it's not. And I should have, and I tried to, I really, I've never run a published adventure as written. So I wanted to run it as written as like, an, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to run it as written. And what I found is I'm never going to run something as written again, because it, you know, the, the writers can't take into account everything that's going to happen it just doesn't make sense. So that was a mistake on my part. Now we finished the campaign and stuff, but it it definitely, there were moments where I was like, this does not make sense. Like even in the way that they wrote this happening, it doesn't make sense. Like this gotta, should not be happening it, right now. Gotta make it make sense. And then you yeah. gotta come the players into submission. <laughs> yeah. Give them the quantum ogre a bunch of times. Achievement unlocked. Yeah. So... All right. Well, um, yeah, Sean, we're past 11 now and I got to work tomorrow, but is there any, do you have any last words prior to us? I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting topic and I know that there's tons of pitfalls out there and people are going to have different approaches to trying to have that awesome epic long-term awesome successful campaign and they'll do things and adjust that uh we may not have covered so i'm interested to hear some of the feedback that you might get on this yeah me too i when i listen back to this hopefully we don't sound too rambly and uh a little off topic here and there i'm sure but uh yeah, so Sean, I appreciate you being on. Once again, Sean runs the Gaming and BS Discord along with his uh, his moderators that assist him in moderating that lovely channel. He's got the Gaming and BS podcast. It's now currently retired. Uh, How to RPG, GM Mastermind, and Sean runs an online convention, BSRCon number three is happening this January upcoming January. I will myself will be running games at it. Uh what's the theme this year again? I can't remember. It there's uh, move move learn create. Move, Although learn, I, gotta create. Say, I gotta say Jason and he's like I you know you should have done BSRCon 3D, which I <laughs> have to say that was a pretty good idea. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Ooh, you know what the Omega 3D chicken coop could be a sponsor of BSRCon 3D. Wow, we are accepting the, I think the gold level, which is the least, like that's the bottom level of sponsorship runs about $10,000. Well, that's a, you know what, $10,000 is about the price of the hot tub you want to buy, I think. Well, I mean, (laughs) coincidentally enough, times are tough all over. Johnny needs a new hot tub. (laughs) But. BSRCon is a great online convention. It's, it's small. It's a bunch of BSers. Everyone in there is uh, it's cool people. You're not going to get like a weird convention scenario game run in there that I'm sure everyone's heard horror stories of. Um, 
but uh, yeah, check it out. So once again, Sean, thanks. I appreciate you coming on tonight. And for all you other uh, Coopers out there, that's what uh, Sean said. I should call the Omega 3D Chicken Coop podcast listener Coopers. It's also a barrel maker, right? I don't know. Anyway, everyone take it easy. Check you guys later. <laughs>